3 Podcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. How's it going, Janet? Lucia, what? what's the word? What's uh, the word over in Calgary? It's finally warm. That's the word over here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Very after some good. nasty cold spells in February, March came in like a lamb. Okay. How are things over there on your neck of the woods? Oh, the word here in Toronto is cluster beep. <laughs> That's the word. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're in a similar, maybe we're not as bad over here, but we're still not great. (laughs) Yes. So we should also say welcome back to our listeners. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) If you're still listening to us, well done. (laughs) Thank you very much. We love you. So (laughs) let's talk about this month's movie pick. Oh, man. Once I started watching this movie last night, I regretted my pick instantly. (laughs) Okay, Lucy, tell everyone which movie you selected. Yeah, so I picked the 2006 rom-com Failure to Launch. I had actually seen it in the movie theaters. This came out when I was living in Sault Ste. Marie for a short while, and I went to the movies a ton there because, sadly, there isn't that much else to do. So I saw movies that I wouldn't typically go see, and this falls into that category 100%. We've kind of touched on this a bit before when we've talked about rom-coms and how, like, you know, they get a bad rap and a lot of people look down their nose at them. And movies like this are the reason why, in my opinion. Yeah, it's funny. I went to see this at the movie theater as well. And same as you, like, this was something that I never would have selected. In fact, I didn't. (laughs) I went to see this with a friend Mm -hmm. who selected this movie specifically because... She loves or loved, I'm not friends with this person anymore, and it's because of this movie. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) So she picked this movie specifically because she loved Matthew McConaughey, (sighs) and she loved Sarah Jessica Parker because she loved Sex and the City. Okay. So... This is exactly like the demographic that I think this movie was going for in when casting this movie, when selecting these two leads, Mm -hmm. for sure. They both had mega box office clout at that point in history. Yeah, definitely. I also was not the one who chose this movie. I went with a handful of friends and I just thought it was really dumb. I like to, or I used to at least pretty recently, I would say like, I don't like rom-coms as a genre. But then I started kind of going through some of my favorite movies and a lot of them are technically rom-coms. They just aren't like this kind of rom-com or like the McConaughey rom-coms, which there's a slew of them. And they're all really similar and they're all pretty dumb and they're just not grounded in reality, in a way that you can get on board with, or at least in a way that I can get on board with them, because the premise of them is so ludicrous and nonsensical. 
I like that you said that because Richard Roper from Ebert and Roper, is it Roper and Ebert? I don't know. Anyways, Richard Roper, the movie critic, said that there was nothing believable. He actually said it was a movie that was completely unbelievable. So, mm-hmm. and I agree. Yeah. Totally. And you know what? I didn't like it either initially when I went to see it. I am not especially a fan of either of the two leads. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really like it. And weirdly, I have watched this movie several times no. over the years. Yeah, because it's often on TV. Like, I still have cable. And when it's on TV, like, I don't know, I get sucked in and I end up watching it. So I've seen this movie a few times. Wow. And, yeah. And... Even watching it again for our podcast, it's really nonsensical. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, before we get to the synopsis, how was the box office for this movie? Well, the budget was $50 million, which I was actually very surprised. I thought that was a lot of money. And for sure, that was all salary. Yeah. Like, that was salary for the two leads. $50 million, a movie like this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was not, To me, there was nothing expensive going on in the movie. So I'm guessing it was salaries. Uh, box office was $130 million. It's a hit. Yeah, it did well. That's why Matthew McConaughey is rom-com gold. Or at least he was. Right. He was rom-com box office gold. And that's why he got the job. <laughs> well, Okay. Um, okay, on, I'm sorry, I'm a little stunned at how much money that made. <laughs> Everyone, Lucia needs a minute. Her spirit has left her body. Oh, gosh. That's too much money. <laughs> I wonder, too, though, because, like, this had a lot of, like, little CGI things and a lot of different locations. So while I agree with you that the bulk of it was salary, I think this also isn't the cheapest kind of movie to make. Yeah, I guess those animatronic animals probably cost a lot of money, for sure. And they needed so many of them, so... (laughs) Anywho, well, I wrote up a little synopsis for this movie. Gorgeous, confident, seemingly capable 35-year-old man Trip lives with his parents, as do all his friends, and for some reason they seem proud of that fact. Paula tricks man-children into moving out of their parents' houses for money. Naturally, the two fall in love after some forced horse shit conflicts and makeup. Didn't you think it was so predictable and also like completely banal that he drove a Porsche? Oh, you know what? I didn't even notice what kind of car he drove. <laughs> okay. okay. But that makes sense. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, I guess he drives a Porsche because he works and doesn't pay rent? Yeah, I guess that's the logic behind it. But also... I don't know I just hate like I hate movies that have a template of what they think women want right or like that stereotype of what women would find attractive like yeah I don't know about you Lucia but if a guy pulled up to my house in a Porsche that would send a red flag immediately to my brain yeah yeah I'm with you I'm gonna tell a really quick story that this reminds me of because it's also connected to the movie so I did like sex in the city the tv show back in the day um yeah I know I know I thought it was fun and interesting and different and it was at the time and I remember 
going to see the Sex and the City movie with somebody I used to work with. I hope she won't listen to this. But anyway, she was very into the show and I thought the movie was so stupid and she absolutely loved it. And she also was someone who told me that she dated a guy because he drove a Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because she watched Sex and the City. (laughs) But so did I, and I'm not like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I don't know, it's... Yeah, uh, I know. That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Well, yeah, it absolutely falls into a ton of cliches, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. But anywho, so before we get into the recasting, we will stop for our first ad break. And as you know, Repodcasting is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. And there are a ton of fantastic shows along with us on the network. And here's Kyle, Dave and the machine to tell you a little bit about one of them. Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm the machine. And we do a podcast called Kyle and Dave versus the machine. It's a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. Although Dave, you and I tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Well, it's the machine's fault, like everything, and then by effect your fault, Kyle, that you've invited me and this is the only thing I like to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to face the apocalypse alone, so you seem like a good patsy to bring along with me. If you wanted somebody that was going to give you some hope, you picked the wrong person. Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. New episodes are out every Friday. And we're back. Janet, would you like to go first on the recasting for this movie? Okay, that's fair. Well, then um, I'm going to start with Trip, Matthew McConaughey, who, like we've said, he was rom-com gold at the time. Um, I actually didn't look up which other movies he had already done at this point, but I'm pretty sure most of them. Like, I think he was already known for rom-coms at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but he does not fit this role, in my opinion, at all. I'm not a Matthew McConaughey fan, for the most part. But when you look at him in this movie, he's gorgeous. (laughs) Like, he looks really good. No. He is fit. He is golden. Like, he's a beautiful color. I don't know. I think he looks great at this point. Lucia, you know why he looks great? No. Because he adheres to the J-K-L way of life. What's that? <laughs> JKL, just keep living. Oh, God. That's his motto. <laughs> That's why he looks golden. Yes. No, no, of course. But my point is that the, no, the, the lead character in this movie should not look like that. It's too why? perfect. Oh, well, yeah, but like they have to sell the movie and they have to sell the idea of Trip. But they to, to me. This character that he's like this super babe who like won't get out of the house that's supposed to be like ironic or something I don't know but to me that adds to the non-believing aspect of it like that guy sorry of course he does not live with his parents at 35 no there's nothing believable about this the premise of 
this movie, Lucia. Absolutely. The premise is not believable, but I'm at least going to try to steer the casting in a more believable direction for this unbelievable premise. Now, that being said, I do think that the person I cast is an attractive man. I just don't think he's like super babe, (laughs) god-like body man. (laughs) So so, um, I cast Brendan Fraser. God, Lucia. Okay, my my first question is, uh, I'm gonna sound so mean when I say this, but did he still have his shine on in 2006? I don't know what that means. Okay, go. I'm not. I. You know what? I'm gonna sound like I'm objectifying Brendan Fraser if I continue to talk. Okay. So just go. Okay. At this point, he had done the movie Crash in 2004. He had had a long-running career. I imagine anybody listening will at least remember who he was or who he is. He had had a long-running career, lots of hits, and then Crash was kind of the last bigger movie that he had done in 2004. He did some movies in 06 and 07, but, like, I had never heard of them. And then in 2008, he had a couple that, like still weren't hits, but they were at least like you kind of remember them. Like it was a mummy sequel and Journey to the Center of the Earth. So at this point, his career had kind of started to like go in a bit of a downward turn, but he had done really well in the late 90s and very early 2000s. He had, but like he had, he didn't have that box office clout anymore. No, no, absolutely. I agree. But to me, what was very important was the slapstick comedy aspect because for whatever reason this rom-com is really slapstick and Matthew McConaughey gets bit by a a chipmunk and then he gets dragged around by a dolphin and like all these dumb things happen he gets bit by a lizard and Matthew McConaughey is not very funny in my opinion he's been in a lot of comedic movies but I don't think he's funny and I think Brendan Fraser just is better at the slapstick stuff so yeah I thought that he would have done a better job regardless of who's gonna bring in the butts to the seats as we always talk about I just think he would have been a better fit for this role and he's still an attractive guy he can still lead a rom-com okay so well I'll be honest I don't like that pick and (laughs) like I'm not trying to start a fight with you my fists are up I don't, you know what it is, Lucia? I know what you're saying. Like, I understand what you're saying. I completely get where you're going with it. But I think he's incongruous with, like, who we're supposed to believe this character trip is. In what way? Well, because it's like I said, like, I know it's unbelievable. I know it's completely unbelievable that, like, this gorgeous guy would still live at home or whatever. But that's the premise of the movie. And so I think, like, I know personally, if I was watching Brendan Fraser in this role, I wouldn't believe him as Trip. Like, yeah, I might believe that this guy still lived at home, but I wouldn't believe that he was, like the super eligible super fox that we're supposed to believe trip is yeah that's just my personal opinion to me the movie is telling us that because it's matthew mcconaughey so yeah see no i don't think so because everything about trip is 
the way the character is written, yeah, Matthew McConaughey, of course, is attractive and whatever. But, you know, he's got the expensive car and he's, like, got that, um, for lack of a better word, he's got, like, that playboy swagger, that that charisma. We're supposed to believe he's, like, a real ladies' man kind of thing. And I wouldn't believe that if Brendan Fraser was the lead. That's just my personal opinion. So, have you have second pick? <laughs> I don't. I believe in my pick. (laughs) All right. That's okay. That's fine. I mean, that's who you think you would have liked to have seen. Like, that's what this is all about. So that's just my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, who did you pick for a trip? Okay. So, like, I actually had two different actors because I agree with you in the sense that it's unbelievable, right? That we're supposed to believe this guy. But it's the the actual writing of it. Like, I was looking at the writers of this screenplay, and it's, like, two two white guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, two guys. And it's interesting that one of them particularly wrote for a lot of sitcoms. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Right? Because uh, his name is Matt Ember, and he wrote for various sitcoms. And I was kind of like, I get that, because you kind of... Like, I see that in this script, especially that um, that sort of, like, the way he they're trying to make it, like, a screwball sort of comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, that was kind of my biggest problem, in a sense, with the movie. Like, this movie never really seems to understand what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Is it supposed to be a romantic comedy? Is it supposed to be, like, a screwball, wacky comedy? Because I guess... That's where the whole animatronic thing, there's that sense of it, Mm -hmm. right? But I don't know. It just, is it supposed to be sad? Because then you have that element, spoiler here, you have that element of Trip is, you know, processing still his grief, I guess, over the death of his girlfriend. Yeah. Fiance. So I don't know. Like, I felt like this movie didn't really understand what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I think it was trying to be a lot of things. That is incredible that one of the writers is a sitcom writer because a lot of reviews I read were kind of complaining that the movie feels like a sitcom. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, well, that was this writer, Matt Ember, that was his background Mm -hmm. anyway. Like, he had written a couple of films as well, but sitcoms seem to be the primary sort of writing source but anyway sorry I diverted a little bit there so yeah Trip is like this 35 year old guy who won't leave home and you know obviously Matthew McConaughey was cast because he's box office romantic comedy goal Mm -hmm. and so I wanted somebody who didn't necessarily have like an A-list recognition because here's the other thing too the budget was 50 million from that perspective, I felt like they could have saved money by not having two A-list leads. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if they'd had one A-list lead, that would have been enough, and then they could have saved money on having someone who was still recognizable, but maybe didn't have like that A-list 
box office clout. So that's what I did with my casting or my recasting of Trip. So I wanted someone who had like the the right look in terms of who we're supposed to believe Trip is, like this really attractive super babe who's got swagger he's really charming he knows how to woo the ladies he drives a porsche it's gonna be a certain kind of man that drives a porsche yeah so i went with someone who had a romantic comedy on his cv okay he had some recognition already and I think he would have been perfect for the role. I went with Josh Demel. Uh, is that the guy from, he was in the soap opera, right? That's where he started, yeah. Okay. But it, see, exactly. Like, Josh Demel doesn't have, like, that widespread name recognition. And I'm actually surprised he doesn't, to be honest. But anyway, he, in 2004, he did that movie, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Okay, yeah. And he was like the romantic, one of the romantic leads in that movie. So he definitely had a romantic comedy that he, that I think he did very successfully in. Mm-hmm. So he had some recognition. People knew who he was. And then he's gone on to do other romantic comedies uh, as well. In fact, he just replaced Army Hammer in the romantic comedy that's going to be made um, with Jennifer Lopez, Shotgun Wedding. Oh, they didn't want to put Army Hammer in a romantic comedy right now? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> no, I love that. I kind of love that, jo- that Josh Duhamel is like, finally now is sort of like getting to be well, a little bit better known. But mm-hmm. he's also the right age. Like, I thought he was age appropriate. He's not that much younger than Matthew McConaughey is. Okay. Um, I kind of thought Matthew McConaughey looked maybe a little bit too old for the role that was my opinion well the character's supposed to be 35 yeah but i still like i thought he would look like 45 (laughs) oh no i don't know that's just me burn on matthew mcconaughey sorry matthew (laughs) mcconaughey but anyways yeah so and i felt like they would have saved money casting josh dumel as well in terms of salary and they still would have gotten like a decent box office return based on who I cast opposite him, which we'll get into later. But, yeah, and I think he could have captured that essence of Trip, that charming ladies' man. He would have been, in my opinion, he would have been completely believable as Trip. Yeah, I could buy him as that. Um... Now, oh, do you have any questions? Because then I'll get into the person I would have picked for my second. Oh, I forgot you had a second one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Like, this is a movie that has no black people in it. Did right. you notice that? Or maybe there <laughs> yeah. is. I think the neighbors are black. I can't the guy who owns now. the boat is black. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, in 2006, this is an old movie. It's 15 years old, right? Mm-hmm. So, I would have liked... I think that this movie totally could have been made with two black leads. Mm-hmm. I would have seen that movie. I don't think that in 2006 it would have been necessarily the box office success that this movie was mm-hmm. based on, not because I think it couldn't be a success. That's not my personal opinion. I think it's just based on what audiences perhaps were consuming at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, maybe like the myopic sort of perspective that 
Hollywood certainly was entrenched in at the time. Yeah. So in my perfect world, I would have remade this movie with two black leads. Okay. And I would have cast Tay Diggs as Trip. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Again, he's somebody who's like, he's age appropriate. Okay. Tay Diggs is charming, like super charming, right? He's a fantastic lead. He'd already had like a lot of uh, proven uh, rom-com experience at that time. Uh, he did, in 1999, he did The Best Man. Then he did like other, he did Brown Sugar, Malibu Most Wanted. Then he was in that movie Cake in 2005. No, I don't know what cake is. It's not the one oh, with Jennifer. With Graham. You didn't know that? No. I thought you would know that. Anyways, I actually saw that. I did see that one. And he was good in it. I think he's just, he's very believable as hmm. a romantic lead. And I would have believed him in this role as Trip, like this super charming, gorgeous guy who still lives at home. I would have. Okay. I would have paid money to see that. Absolutely. So that's really interesting. I think that Tay Diggs is incredibly charming and could easily be the lead in a romantic comedy i'm having trouble picturing him in this one i haven't seen him do a lot of comedy oh but yeah you, he could do yeah. it he could do anything i love tay Dix. yeah <laughs> my biggest problem with matthew mcconaughey in this role i understand why the studio cast him 200 percent, i get it right but it's again it's what we always talk about it's that lack of creative casting mm-hmm. and i just feel like the studio could have saved money by <laughs> casting like a smaller name sure but that's just that's just me um just to add quickly to what you were just saying um so i did of course notice the lack of diversity in this movie and when I was trying to cast Trip, I did think of Will Smith at a certain point, and I did think he'd be good, but that's that wasn't the direction I wanted to go. Right. But, like, thinking, which we've recast him already in this movie, uh, but thinking of him in Hitch, like, I could see him in this role as well. Okay. But, um, okay, so then moving on to Paula, played by Sarah Jessica Parker. So, um, yeah, I... At this time, I didn't, like, hate Sarah Jessica Parker or anything. I have just grown less and less enthused with her over the years. Um, and and also, even though I did, I was fine with her at the time, I liked her just fine, she was very bland. Like, she didn't bring anything to the table in this movie, in my opinion. So, I went with somebody less known, for sure, but who was already, like... You know, she had been in TV and things. I decided to go with Jane Krakowski. Mm, okay. Yeah, she is Jenna on 30 Rock, and she was an Ally McBeal up until 2002. I think she's really, she's very fun. She's very vibrant. She's very talented. I think she's a really good actor. I think she's one of those really underrated people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that she could have, I don't know, just brought a little more charisma to this role. So, yeah, I like Jane Krakowski. Yeah, and I think she's funnier. Like, I I don't think Sarah Jessica Parker is funny, even though, yeah, Sex and the City, I guess, is a comedy. But I think my main goal here was, like, casting people who are funnier and who are better at physical comedy. Right, right. Yeah, I think that Jane Krakowski is most definitely a better comedic actress, for sure. Yeah. Now, granted, like, I realize that the two people that I put in here 
would not like this movie might have failed because the writing is shit. <laughs> I didn't recast the writer and neither of them were huge box office draws. But I think it would have been a slightly better movie. I think like many of the movies that we do, just casting is not going to cut it. Yeah. Did you have a second choice? or? No, I don't. That's it. Oh, okay. I agree with you. I mean, when I was recasting, I tried to look at it from the perspective of the way they cast this movie, right? It's a big budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and they obviously wanted people who uh, had some clout again like I was saying I for the role of trip I cast someone who was lesser known Hmm. I saved like the big name for the Paula casting Um, because I don't like Sarah Jessica Parker period like Mm -hmm. I don't think much of her as an actor I certainly don't think that she's good in romantic comedies. I really don't. And I mean, here's the thing. Like, she was in this film with Matthew McConaughey, who has proven, you know, he had a track record Mm -hmm. for being, you know, the rom-com champion. Like, he's really successful, right? And then you have her. And it's like, first of all, I didn't think there was any chemistry between them. Yeah at all like I wasn't feeling that I didn't believe them at all that these two characters were falling in love and it was just not believable to me um but yet she somehow like the balance of it like she almost made him look bad or it doesn't work you know what I mean and it's maybe it is that lack of chemistry but I I always think of her in that movie that she did with um Hugh Grant, which uh, is called uh, something about the Morgans. I wrote it down here. I forget the name of it. Sarah Jessica Parker and Hugh Grant? Yeah. She did a movie with him. Okay. Uh, Something, did you hear about the Morgans? Yeah, that's what it's called. Uh, And I always think of that movie, too. And even in The Family Stone, like, where we're supposed to believe that Luke Wilson is falling in love with her her character. Like, no. Uh, Same thing with Did You Hear About the Morgans? Like, here she is, cast opposite, um, like, an actor who is known, like, for his romantic comedy roles, right? I mean, Hugh Grant is another one who's, like, a romantic comedy gold champion whatever you want to say right he's done Mm -hmm. so many of them and he's so successful Mm -hmm. in them and then like you have her like she makes these actors look bad like these movies i don't know i just think she's not skilled in this genre and i think you know obviously they cast her because of the whole sex in the city zeitgeist right she was like popular and she's a box office draw but I wasn't feeling it so I saved my uh like my big name for this role and my I had like I actually have two choices I'll go through them quick my first choice was Jennifer Aniston okay of course I would first of all uh she is a huge a-list box office draw Mm -hmm. I mean she can open a movie on her own right (laughs) for sure so uh I would have loved 
I don't know if her and Josh Duhamel would have had chemistry, but let's face it, they would have looked gorgeous on screen <laughs> together, right? They're beautiful. They are two beautiful people. That alone I would love to see. Um, I mean, she's she's romantic comedy box office gold as well, right? She's yeah. got the skill set. She's done tons of romantic comedies. She's certainly better at comedy, absolutely. She's age-appropriate. She's Jennifer Aniston, so I think she would have done a better job than Sarah Jessica Parker, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree she would have done a better job. I guess this is weird. I f- feel like I'm finding something out about myself, but I don't want to see Jen Aniston slumming it in this. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But yet you didn't mind seeing Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker slumming in it. Yeah, because I, I don't think she's that good. <laughs> but yet you liked Sex in the City. Yeah, and I thought that she was okay. the least interesting and most annoying character on that oh. show. Well, you didn't say that at first, <laughs> did you? Did you make that distinction, Lucia? No, I no. certainly did not. But P.S., we're recasting Sarah Jessica Parker out of this movie. So, like, clearly I don't want her slumming it in here either. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. You don't want Jennifer Aniston slumming it. Uh, <laughs> my second pick uh, was Cameron Diaz. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? She's another one. I mean, she's huge box office draw, right? By yeah. this point in her career... She had such a huge name. She could open a movie on her own easily, right? Yeah. She is, that's where she lives. That's where her skill set lives is comedy. Mm-hmm. Like 200%. She's age appropriate. Um, again, I don't know what kind of chemistry she would have with Josh Dumel, but they're both gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, they'd look amazing on screen they'd be a beautiful couple on screen and she's got like that really fun vibe but I feel like she could have played it with a little bit of edge because I think we're supposed to believe that the Paula character has like a little bit of you know she's she's fun but also she's like kind of um straight edge right like doesn't drink (laughs) what do you mean by straight edge do you understand any <laughs> my brain is broken modern day, like, words. what does straight edge mean in the straight modern edge, day like she's kind of boring right she's very serious and and like super career oriented you know that's another thing i want to touch on with this paula character okay is the chemistry that Sarah Jessica Parker had with her supposed best friend, Zoe Deschanel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the weirdest friend they pairing no I've ever seen on screen. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. I want to go on record since we haven't talked about her yet that Zoe Deschanel is the only thing I like about this movie. I think she does a great job with what she's given. And I like her. I've always liked her. But I agree. That was the weirdest friend pairing I've ever seen on screen it made no sense I agree with you in terms of Zoe Deschanel was like the shining moment Mm -hmm. in this movie for sure how are we supposed to believe like that was but that's the script like we're supposed to believe that a character like Paula would be like best friends with 
day Chanel's character, like, they wouldn't even be casual acquaintances, never mind yeah. best friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt like I wanted to see somebody who would not only have better chemistry with Trip, but also, you know what, I don't know her character's name. Kit. It was Kit? Or yeah. Kat? Kit. Kit? Yeah, so, um... Yeah. Sorry. That's... I thought you me off track <laughs> uh okay <laughs> well i'll say this i could totally picture cameron diaz in this movie a hundred percent and could even you? i could really picture her with josh duhamel yeah for sure like i could see that yeah. so or with tay diggs yeah so again like if i was doing the the black leads like i said i liked tay diggs and then for the paula character i was going to go with Regina Hall. Nice. Who, for, you know who she is, obviously, Lucia. For anybody who doesn't know who Regina Hall is, she, I think, got her start in the scary movies where she played Brenda. Right. She's been around. Regina Hall has been working in Hollywood for a long, long time. I feel like she's only now starting to get name recognition, but, I mean, she's been working for a long time. She's funny. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's a great comedic actress. Mm-hmm. But she was also in The Best Man with oh. Tay Diggs. So she had comedic roles on her CV at this time. And she has chemistry with Tay Diggs because we've seen it. And nice. Her in other films prior to this. And I could see her playing that Paula role. Absolutely. And you know what? I don't know how accepting audiences would have been in 2006 mm-hmm. to see an interracial couple, but I could see Josh Dumel and Regina Hall. I would actually pay to see that movie now, today. <laughs> <laughs> Someone go make that movie. I don't know. I would see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could totally see that. But I don't know. I feel like in 2006, we weren't seeing those, you know, it was... Yeah. Things were different 15 years ago than they are now, yeah. of course, right? But I could see her in the role regardless. I could yeah. see Regina Hall, and same thing with Tay Diggs. I could see them both in these roles regardless. I like Regina Hall. I think I could see her in this role as well. Absolutely. Nice. Although I also don't want her slumming it in this. <laughs> well, but you know, it's a big studio movie. I know that you just don't like the characters or whatever yeah no it's it's the writing it really is I had a real hard time casting this and I was looking at trip options first and I forget now who I was going to cast but my first thought was somebody who I don't like that actor because I was like I don't want to put somebody I like into this movie (laughs) but at the end of the day, like, I just kind of was like, okay, let me, let me figure out what attributes I want out of this person, what characteristics, and went that way. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the movie, because, so Trip is this seemingly together guy who, for whatever reason, is living with his parents and a total commitment phobe. And then we find out, like you were saying, that his fiance died. I think it was like six years ago. So I think, I could be wrong, and I can't remember if they said it in the movie or not, but I think he moved back home to his parents after she died. And so 
he's not the typical guy who would still be living at his parents and everything, and that's fine. But so if this is his situation and, you know, it feels like he's kind of maybe trying to work through some grief, his parents are monsters for hiring this woman to try and get him out of their house. That's awful. Like, talk to him, get him some therapy, maybe do family therapy. Like, that's how you're going to get him out. Don't like, it's so disgusting. And also, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a rant for a second, because part of the reason why I think the whole premise is flawed is that this woman's business, so she comes in, she turns your man child into a man, and he's able to move out on his own, and then she dumps him. He would just go running back home. Her business plan is flawed. (laughs) Lucia, the premise of the movie is complete nonsense. Yes. Okay? Don't try and make sense of something that is nonsense. (sighs) Yes, I know. In that case, you'd have to rewrite the movie, and then you have to talk to these two writers, Matt Ember and Tom J. Assel. I think I would just... Yeah. (laughs) Go talk to them, Lucia. Because that's where your problem lies with this movie. The movie's nonsense. It's completely yeah. unbelievable. So to sit there and say, yeah, like there's, you could rip this apart. There's so many holes there, of course. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what's funny too is, because like I was trying to read up on this movie, trying to find something interesting about it. And it was hard. Like there's very little said about this movie online other than, you know, some critic reviews. And one thing I noticed is that some of the reviewers complained about the editing of the movie. But the editor is Stephen Rosenblum, who also edited the movies Glory, Braveheart, The Last Samurai. Like this was not somebody who, you know was green or whatever like it's really interesting that that was one of the complaints that people had well you have to wonder about the director on this film as well the tom day mm-hmm. he hasn't really done i don't know it seems to me like this was a big budget film to yeah. give to a director that didn't really seem to have a lot of box office successes wow. under his belt like he had done shanghai noon Oh, okay. I think prior to this. And then he also did this movie called Showtime that actually won a bunch of Razzies. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I don't know. I feel like maybe if they'd had a different director on the project. It could have helped. They just, he seemed rather inexperienced to mm-hmm. be leading a $50 million budget Seriously. movie that had two big name leading actors yeah he's white i assume <laughs> well your assumption would be correct yeah who else is going to get that kind of a chance in hollywood a 50 million dollar movie yeah wow so like i was saying it was really hard to find any kind of tidbit on this movie and the only interesting thing i found i hope i don't bring things down too much is a chipmunk died during the making of the movie when a set trainer Aww. yeah a set trainer dropped it and accidentally stepped on it that's awful awful and they hid it a whistleblower went to the what is it called is it aspca anyway they they went to an animal organization and blew the whistle on this movie wow yeah but yeah like that so speaking of animals i don't really get this weird running i I get it in the sense that, because Bradley Cooper's character explains it, he's not at one with nature, and then at the end you see the dolphin befriending him, so now that he's with Sarah Jessica Parker, he's at one with nature. I get why they did that. 
But why did they do that? Like, it's dumb. <laughs> I don't know. Every time an animal appeared on screen, I groaned. Well, it goes back to the point that I made about, like, this movie was trying to be, like, this wacky screwball mm-hmm. comedy, and it didn't really... It was really incongruous with the whole romantic comedy angle as well. It's yeah. nonsense. It's nonsense. It really Let's is. just say this movie is nonsense and move on if you don't have any other <laughs> funny tidbits. Okay. No, no other funny tidbits. I did just want to mention that the soundtrack was aggressive because... <laughs> the soundtrack? Yeah. Did you not feel that? I felt like the songs coming in were like an assault. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. It would be, oh. it, maybe it felt too obvious or I don't know. There Just several times when a song would start, it was jarring for me. Well, this is supposed to be like a mainstream crowd pleaser, right? I yeah. will say this. When I went to see this movie at the movie theater 15 years ago, the movie theater was completely jam-packed. It was full. Yep, me too. And, like, I will say that as silly as we might think that these animal situations that they put into into the movie, uh, as silly as we may think they are, they got crazy laughs. Like, they got super-duper mega laughs during the movie. I mean, the audience that was around me like everybody was loving it they were so into it so i don't know yeah i guess i'm weird appeals it's appealing to i think it's like appealing to mainstream audiences in a sense sure i will still rip it apart every chance i get because i think it's really bad (laughs) but anyway um yeah so that's all i have for tidbits do you have anything else that you want to touch on no that's it i think i've said enough about this movie okay well then let's take our final ad break before moving on to our oh sorry one last thing the ratings so on imdb this movie got a 47 percent from 31 critics and then on rotten tomatoes it got a 24 percent from 152 reviewers so yeah those rotten tomato audiences are more aligned with what i felt about the movie (laughs) so let's take our break This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. Now more than ever, we are united by a desire to take action and help others by creating a community built on kindness and compassion. From small creative projects to larger citizen-led initiatives, the Calgary Foundation provides grassroots grants to encourage and support people who want to create and strengthen bonds between neighbors and communities. If you've got an idea to improve, enhance, or revitalize your community or neighborhood, visit calgaryfoundation.org to find out more about the Foundation's grant opportunities and visit the Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. And now back to the show. So it's time for our final segment, Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. Since I went first with the casting, I will go first with this as well. I'm imagining that we put him in the same role, but let's see. I cast him as Tripp's dad, (laughs) Al, played by Terry Bradshaw, I think, the former football player. 
So, okay, of course, part of the reason is Tony's age. He's 18 years older than Matthew McConaughey. Um, It would be weird to cast him as one of the friends still living at home. So, you know, that's kind of the role he fits best into. And I'm going to get a little pervy here. He's naked in the movie. (laughs) So I want to see Tony Danza in that role. (laughs) Well, you just said everything that I was going to say. Fantastic. Literally. Yeah, I did cast him in that role. Obviously, I cast him as the father. And I'm not trying to typecast him because he's older. But my main motive for casting him as Tripp's dad is so that we could see his ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I admittedly am being a perv. And... Yeah, like, I want to see Tony Danza's ass (laughs) on screen, his bare ass. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little worried that you and I... Give me that world. Yeah. (laughs) Give me that Hollywood. Yeah, I am a little worried that you and I get a little pervy during this segment. and uh, Well, because... I am still holding out hope to the universe that we can get Tony Danza on the show, but not if we continue to objectify him. You know what? Listen, I think Tony Danza would be super flattered (laughs) that he is still getting this kind of heat. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That people are standing him the way we are. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. Yeah. We stand. Well, that is awesome. And uh, I think we've done justice to this movie as best as we can. And I do think that we improved it. Well, of course we did. Of course we improved it. Oh, boy. You could only go up with this movie. That is a really good point. (laughs) Next month, Janet, you've picked a wonderful film for us to recast. Do you want to share it? Sure. So, listeners, Lucia, I have... (laughs) selected a first here on re-podcasting I've picked an animated film for us to recast mm-hmm. we're going to be doing uh, yeah, a little recasting on Fantastic Mr. Fox which is a Wes Anderson film from I can't remember what year but a while back <laughs> yeah it's an older film but that's yeah. what we'll be recasting for nice. next month Yeah, I'm excited. I am a big Wes Anderson fan, and this will be a fun exercise. If you have any suggestions for what movies we should be recasting, you can send those on over to us at repodcasting at gmail.com, or you can find us on the social media sites at repodcasting. And Janet, thank you as always for joining me. Thank you, Lucia. Bye. Bye.